0: Well, if you're in person here, I'm not going to hug and exchange those, but just say hi. Down the aisle, down the line, down the row, behind the row, say hi. And all those online watching today, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Those of you in person, come on, can we just give God a thanks and a a hand clap of praise? Praise God. Well, let me uh, let's transition and get into the Word today. Who's ready for the Word? A couple folks are good uh, enough to keep us coming back, I guess. So, um, let me invite you to open up your Bibles or your Bible apps, whatever you're using today, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter thirteen. Matthew chapter thirteen. While you're getting there, appreciate the worship team today. I know a lot of folks are. Some folks are traveling. I don't know how many, but I know some are in and out of town with the holiday weekend, seeing family and and loved ones um, as well. But um, we appreciate those of you who are with us in person and appreciate those of you who have clicked online to join us today. Again, welcome, and uh, thank you for being a part of our worship gathering here this morning. Um, You know, it's nice to have a good preaching team uh, in our church. I'm so thankful. We are blessed with gifted preachers, teachers, communicators of the Word, uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Lindsey brought a message, uh, James, one of our elders, brought the word last week, and uh, it's good. I'm, I, I was able to go back and listen and watch those those words, and um, they preach a whole lot shorter than I do, so I guess the challenge is on, maybe, I don't know, um, But they did a great job. If you were a part of that over the last two weeks, uh, able to sit in on those services or watch, they did a fantastic job. I appreciate them. And um, this month, uh, I, along with a couple of other elders, are going to try to cover some of the parables of Jesus. So we're starting a summer series called The Parables of Jesus. We're not going to cover all of them because there's over 40 parables in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we're not going to try to cover all of them. I'm going to cover 39 of them today, if that's okay. It's a joke. (laughs) Lord, help me. Uh, I'm going to cover just a few, but uh, they're short ones, and it's in Matthew 13. Um, A parable is really a story that is told to illustrate a truth. And as you know, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these over 40 parables that are recorded that Jesus spoke... um, And some are are woven back and forth in between the Gospels. But uh, great illustrations to what what he has to say and what he has to say to us today. In fact, I've titled today's message in this first um, part of this series called the parables. I've called it God's Masterpiece. I actually stole the name uh, from uh, our, our children's ministry this last week. Just wrapped up kids' camp. Uh, great week of kids camp. Yeah, yeah, you can clap. It's okay to clap if you want to clap. Great week of kids camp this last week and the theme was God's Masterpiece. And I had the privilege of opening the first night service with a message and uh, I'll have part of that woven into today's sermon as well. But um, that's the title, God's Masterpiece. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. Let's look there in Verse 31. It's a parable, and Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. In verse 33, Jesus also said this, The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast A woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Verse 34, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables, and this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. saying, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. On down to verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value... He sold everything he owned and bought it. You see, there are four parables that we'll look at. The parable of the mustard seed, of the yeast, of the treasure, of the pearl of great value or great price. And in each one of these, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. Or in other translations, it'll, it'll bounce back and forth between the kingdom of heaven or saying the kingdom of God is like these certain things. And in the circulation of Jesus' teaching, and particularly Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount in full entirety, in in, uh, chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God first above all else. And these parables start with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like so Jesus is saying we need to pursue this we need to seek after this we need to make this our aim in our life as we follow Christ and I want to kind of double back around to verse 34 and, and 5 where Matthew elaborates and expounds and says hey he used Jesus used these stories and illustrations when speaking to crowds he never went around teaching without using some parables. And it was fulfilled by the prophet that Jesus would speak in parables to explain hidden things. And here's the thing. Jesus wants people to get it. He wants the light bulb to come on in their head. He wants the light to shine. He wants revelation to hit. He wants illumination to come to the heart of mankind. He wants wants people to get that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to, us to get that. He, over 40 parables to explain a truth. To get us to get, hey, his way is the best way. His way is the way. In fact, that was what, before the word Christian and Christianity was ever used, it was the way. That's why the writer tells us of Christ, he is the way. That was the way. The kingdom of God is the way. And he wants us to understand it, wants us to get it. Paul further illustrates this in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. He says, since this new way gives us such confidence, the new way of following God in Christ gives us such confidence. says, we can be very bold. It says, we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel will not see the glory, the love, and the power of God, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by going to church. No. This veil can only be removed... ...by believing in Christ. says, yes, even today when they read Moses' writings... ...their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But, whenever someone turns to the Lord... ...whenever someone turns to the Lord... ...that veil is taken away. You can see clearly... For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, those who have turned to the Lord, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, the love and the power of God. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So when a person turns to the Lord, those of us who have turned to the Lord begin to see and take note of, a great change happens. Now God doesn't instantly change everything about us. There's a lot of things instantly He changes about us. But not everything in us gets changed. There's a thing called the doctrine of sanctification. Basically, it's an ongoing process as we follow Jesus, we are to also be changed to become more like Jesus. Because none of us could raise our hands and say we have arrived, we have been perfected. I once knew a, a guy who said, you know, I think I'm almost sanctified. There's just one more thing the Lord's wanting to do in me and then I'm going to be sanctified. Now I was fairly young in the Lord at the time, but I I think it was the Holy Spirit giving me enough sense to think, That doesn't make any sense. Because how can a person on this side of eternity become completely sanctified? We can't. Now the goal is, in God's eyes, is that we would go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and constantly let Him change us. As Paul illustrates, as the Spirit of the Lord is working in a person, there becomes freedom in that person's life, and God makes these changes in us and transforms us more into the image of Jesus. And so like these parables, the parable of the mustard seed, The kingdom of God starts out small in our life. Not insignificant, but small. And over time, it grows and grows and grows and becomes large and becomes strong and becomes supportive and becomes stable in our life to provide the longevity of faith, not only for for you and me, but also for us to be able to then also... Pass this along to others, those in our own family, those in our community, those whomever the Lord would have us be around and make disciples of. That the way the kingdom of God works is it grows. I mean, come on, if God showed you and me everything he was going to accomplish in our life the moment we got saved, one, it would freak us out and scare us, and we we wouldn't ever go for it because we would begin to see the different trials we would have to go through. We would have to see the different steps of of tribulation we would have to go through, setbacks we would have to go through, people who would have to that we would let down, that they would let us down, all these different things. And two, we wouldn't have to be dependent on God anymore if he showed us everything all at one time. That's why there's a change. It's a process of growth, a process of change. And he says the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed. Oh, it, it looks small, it is tiny, but inside it has so much potential to be more than what you could ever think it could possibly be. Because there are some things you and I have gone through and some situations we have dealt with and, and, and seasons that we have endured that if we did not have the Lord, we would not have made it. We would not have made it, and there are things that God does in us that shocks us in a way, surprises us in a way, because He is always more and always above and always beyond what we can ever think, what we can ever think or imagine in our mind. Ephesians three twenty, we serve a God who is able to do abundantly and above all that we are able to think or ask according to the power that works within us. Right, and so like these parables, the mustard seed, the kingdom of ho- the kingdom of heaven. Starts that way, but it grows that way, it grows continuously in our life. And or it should at least. Like the parables of the yeast, it gets worked into the dough. The kingdom of God gets worked in, needed in. Any bakers, any bread makers? Yeah, you work that yeast into the dough and uh and, and, and over and what it does, it transforms that dough. And he it, and it gives the illustration, Jesus gives this illustration, just a little into the big, makes it bigger, makes it better. And so the kingdom of God gets worked into our life because there are things that, that God will set us up for and, and lead us into that it is oftentimes uncomfortable, but it's the needing of his hand in our life. Anybody ever get a massage, like uh, you know, a godly massage, you know? And, you know, and, you know, and, and you get a, you get worked on your shoulders or something like that. And it works, even they may say you've got knots, you know, in your, in your, in your shoulder or your, or kind of in your back, your neck. And they work it out. That's, God works stuff out in our life. And he works his kingdom into our life. But the changes don't just happen just because we happen to sit in church or happen to sit in front of the TV or something that is promoting the gospel, the change happens like the parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, and the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant when we sell ourselves out to the Lord, when we sell ourselves out to God, when we give God everything, when we completely abandon ourselves to Him, when we let him have complete takeover in our life as our creator and as our our father and as our God, as our Lord, and we let him do that, that's when change happens. That's when things start start to move and start to shift and start to change and things start to come together in our life and the way he wants, the kind of person he's intended us to actually be. And the thing about it is we don't know everything that he wants to do. We, we kind of believe, most of the time, believe that God has this great plan, has these things planned for us, and has this purpose for our life. And yeah, we want to know it all, we want to we see it all come together, but we have to yield, like these parables, we have to yield And and surrender to and uh, and give time to God and give God space and give Him opportunity to work in our life. If not, then we can don't ever expect to change. Don't ever expect to grow. Don't ever expect your faith to get up. Don't ever think that anything great for you'll do anything good for for God if you don't allow the working of the kingdom to happen in your life. If you just want to stay the same, don't pray. Don't read the Word. Don't go to church. Don't be in fellowship or accountability with with believers. You know, just kind of hang loose and you'll coast. But if you want to be everything God has called you to be, and you want your families, and you want your marriages, you want your kids, you want your relationships, you want the inwardness of who you were created to be. You see, in Ecclesiastes it said, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. And there's only one who can fill that that hole. There's only one who can fill that space. And that is God in Christ Jesus. So these parables propose some questions for us to consider. I've kind of already shown my cards on that one, are we intentionally pursuing God's kingdom first? We need to ask ourselves these kinds of questions, especially from time to time. Are we intentionally pursuing God's kingdom first? Number two, are we intentionally cultivating the seed of God's kingdom? Are we intentionally cultivating the seed of God's kingdom through prayer, through a relationship with the Lord, through the word of God, uh, opening our face to the word before we give our life to the world. We face the world every day. We go to people every day. We're out in this thing every day. And we need the substance of something greater than what this world can offer us, especially in this day and time where we're politic to death, we're pandemic to death, we're, we're just ran over by all sorts of things every day. Man, the only thing that's ever going to clear our vision, the only thing that's ever going to make sure there's a balm in our heart of wholeness and healing and goodness and kindness is letting the Word of God read us, is letting the Word of God wash over us, as it says, and it makes us clean. I, if, if we give ourselves too much to too many voices in the world, to too many sights and sounds in the world, it's just going to irritate the mess out of us. It's just going to irritate us. And we're going to get jaded. And um, we're going to have to block people, you know, on Facebook. Because you just see stuff. And it irritates the mess out of you. It irritates the mess out of me sometimes. And I'm like, Lord, I, I, I got to... I gotta get it. What, what do you have to say? Because I'm getting messed up over here, and I don't want my opinions to be greater than who you are and what you have to say, right, Church? And we have to be bold enough and honest enough to do that kind of stuff uh, if we if we want to see our world and the landscape of our country have harvest of righteousness. Then. God's saying, look, I'm depending on my people who were called by my name to humble themselves and to pray, to seek my face, to turn from their wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven, and then I will heal their land, and I will come and forgive them. I want to see the, a move of the Holy Spirit blow across our country. And it's going to take more than what's happening right now. It's going to take people of God who are committed to intentionally cultivating the seed of God's word. Through Christian fellowship. Through accountability. I know accountability is not a word that we use a whole lot here lately. But man, we need to all be accountable to other people. We should never think we're too big, too bold, too brass to be everything to everybody and just do what we want to do. As believers, we do not get that right. The cross determined, we die, Christ lives. The cross says, we die, Christ lives. It's His heart. It's His word. It's His will. It's His way. And we need that together as believers. And we should expect it from one another. Amen? Amen? Number three, are we patient with the development of God's kingdom in our life? Are we giving God space? Are we giving Him time? If we are giving Him room to work in us? Or have we already made up our mind? This is what I think and this is how it's going to be. We have to remain humble and we have to be teachable. Number four, are we surrendered to the work of God's kingdom in our life? Are we surrendered to the work of God's kingdom in our life? The the ways of the kingdom don't just appear. The ways of the kingdom don't just sprout up. They don't just pop up. They get worked into our life. We let the God of the word work his word into our life. The ways of the kingdom, if we... It tells us how to raise our families. It tells us how to live. It tells us how to function. It tells us how to be with one another. It tells us how to be a witness and a light in this world. But we have to give him space. Amen? We have to give him room. And number five, are we sold out to God's kingdom? It, like this parable of the treasure and the merchant for looking for the pearl, are we really truly sold out? ...to God's kingdom. There's nothing on this earth... ...that we would rather have... ...and what we would rather aim our life after... ...than to be more like Jesus. Those are some questions that these parables propose to us. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, we are God's masterpiece... He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We said that about 25 times last week in kids camp. And I'm so thankful for themes and lessons like this for our young people. And my girls getting to be a part of it as well. It, it just is a good thing because we're getting God's word in their hearts. Right now they're in a class and they're getting taught. They're not just, you know, kind of running around and have the teacher tied up in the chair. I hope not. No. <laughs> they're getting taught. They're, getting, they're being given the word of God in a very good way. And I'm so thankful for that. And this week, uh, youth camp is going to be taking place. Uh, modified versions of with summer things going on with the way things have happened. In, in this world, in this country, but youth camp's going to happen. So we need to remember our teenagers this week, Pastor Lindsey and the others who are serving, um, and that, that our, our teenagers will have a real encounter with the Lord. Amen? But Paul says, hey, we are God's masterpiece. Other translations may say we are God's handiwork. God is personally involved in making us, personally involved in developing us, personally involved. In shaping us. He he fashions us and he forms us. And Who he is. His hand is personally engaged in who we are. and, And it happens, he says, we are created new in Christ Jesus. The transformation begins when Christ enters a life. So God takes our mess and turns it into a masterpiece. Why? He says... To do all the good things God has planned for us from long ago. God has thought of and has planned good things for our lives and what he wants us to do. Now, we'll go into life and we'll go through life and we will hit roadblocks. We will hit sudden 90 degree turns. We will be told you've got to detour. We, We will hit things in life that the terrain is maybe not what we thought it would be. But if we will continue to trust the Lord that He knows what He wants, that He has a plan, and that He wants to use our life and has good things planned for us, and has an in- intention of how and who we are, what we are supposed to be, the kind of person He has created us to be, then He will cause us to move forward in what He has. Now, here's a big thing about that: is we have an enemy, the devil, who is adamantly opposed against all the things God has for people. He'll do anything and everything he can to get us to not believe God, to get us to not trust God, to get us not to even approach God. He'll even make us feel bad about mistakes we made. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He'll make us feel so rotten sometimes and feel so shameful that we won't even, we will think, man, what's the re- why should I even pray anymore about this? I keep finding myself in this cycle time after time he'll do anything he can to get us to discredit what God has for our life. And James tells us that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. There is no shifting shadow of changes with him. He does not. He is always the same, the Bible tells us and every good thing comes from him and he has good things planned for our life but we got to stick close we got to wait it out sometimes we got to give space we got to give time we got to give room we got to give opportunity like the mustard seed and like the yeast to do its work god in this season that i'm in right now help me not to get out of it too quick as you are working your thing in me let me absorb all that you are wanting to do in me right now so that I can be adequately prepped for the next thing. That's what he does from season to season, from experience to experience. He will do these things if we will just give him the opportunity to work some stuff out in us. There's a story in the Old Testament about the very first king of Israel. Anybody know who that was? Saul. Saul was the very first king of Israel. And the thing about Saul was he had a lot going for him. He didn't go looking for it. He was picked for it. But the thing about it is he stood out among the rest. He was tall. He was intelligent. He was strong. He was handsome. He was skilled. He was gifted. He had all kinds of things going for him. And when the time came to announce him as the king, the first king, it said that he went he disappeared. He hid himself. And the Bible said the people prayed. You can read about it in 1 Samuel 10. And the people prayed and they asked, where did Saul go? And the Lord answered and said, he's over there hiding in the baggage. In the stuff. Now why would a man who had everything going for him pick to be the first king, a king now, king, go and hide in baggage? In stuff. I think Saul knew he had some issues and problems and burdens in his life that he really didn't want people to know about. And he maybe deep down thought he couldn't be the king or the kind of king the people needed or the kind of king that God had hoped for. And so he was hiding. So anytime anybody says, hey, they have baggage or... I have baggage, what they're getting at is, hey, you've got some issues and problems and burdens in your life you've never really dealt with, and you've never really turned them over to the Lord to handle. Well, years later, that, that caught up with Saul. He never dealt with his issues, his problems, and his burdens. He, he pretended they didn't exist. He pretended to just kind of sweep them under the rug. And God had given him a charge to do something, and he disobeyed God. Disobeyed him in a big way, a big way uh, enough to where the, God said, No more, you're not going to be king anymore. I've already picked someone else, I've chosen someone else to replace you. And Saul's heart got hard, he became rebellious, and his reign ended short, shorter than what it should have been. And the next king that was chosen was going to be this young shepherd boy from Bethlehem, straight out of Bethlehem, David. David was going to be the next king. Now David also, as you know, David had his issues too. He had his problems. He had his burdens as well. But unlike Saul, David took his heart to God. Had to be confronted with it sometimes. But he prayed this famous prayer in Psalm 51.10 where he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Well, we know that David went on, he became one of the most famous kings of Israel that Israel ever had. And he also went on, and it was said of David, that he had a heart after God's own heart. And that David ended up fulfilling all the things God had planned for him to do. He fulfilled his destiny in his generation. The difference between he and his predecessor was that he did not pretend his stuff didn't exist. Now, he tried to once, but he was called on it, called to the carpet on it. He tried to cover it, but it it got to him, and he's like, I can't. I just can't. I can't. I've got to let this out. i got to let God have this issue. i got to get let God have this problem and this burden in my life. And God did, and God heard his prayer, and God restored him, and God healed him, and he went on to fulfill what God had planned for him. You see... When we turn to God, like, like these parables teach us, when we turn to His kingdom, to His ways, and to His rule in our life, and we let Him have stuff, the baggage, the stuff in our life, issues, problems, burdens, whatever, then He takes it, that mess and He turns it into a masterpiece. Now the problem is... We, when The more we try to hide them or conceal them or try to deal with this on our own, the harder and the heavier it becomes. In fact, so much so that it can slow us and potentially stop us in our tracks from not fulfilling what God had for our life and being the kind of person that God has created us to be, like Saul did. See, we all have issues you got issues, I got issues, every, God, every God's child has issues. We all have issues. We have problems we deal with, struggle with. We all have burdens that are heavy, hard to bear, from fear to anxiety to stress. You name it, we all have issues and problems and burdens in our life. We all have stuff. We can hide in the baggage and pretend and let that stuff cover us and still try to be somebody, or we can bring it to God. And let God deal with it. Let God have it. So what do we do with all of this stuff in our life? Well, we, we get saved. We get f- have the love of Christ come in. The Holy Spirit fill our life. And we get happy. We get joyful. Then also later through time we, we get jaded. We get critical. We get burdened. We get confused. We get doubtful at times. And all these conflicting thoughts and emotions cross our heart, cross our mind. And we're like, man, I wanted life to just be kind of hunky-dory after Christ. I didn't want have to have to really experience <laughs> any pain or any problems or any hardships. Or, or God forbid, you start dealing with my jealousy? What? Are you going to start knocking on my door and tell me I can't think that way anymore? What? Are you going to tell me I can't talk that way to somebody? what i know right what's god doing what's god after god's after our heart where your treasure is there your heart will be also god's after our heart and so what do we do with all this stuff like these parables teach us if we will seek first the kingdom of When we give our life to Jesus, folks, we are also giving him everything in our life. All our issues, problems, and burdens, all of our stuff. I want to close with Saul of the New Testament. Now, Saul of the New Testament, he had his set of issues too. You see the theme in this in the Bible? Everybody got issues. Everybody's got stuff. But the difference, those who let God have their stuff are the ones who go on to fulfill the God stuff that he has planned. Those who don't, don't. It's a choice. We all have. And Saul of the New Testament had issues and problems and burdens. He had stuff and So much so that his stuff was causing pain to other people. And it ended up troubling him as well. He was confronted, knocked off his high horse, so to speak. And the love of Jesus came into his life. I mean, completely melted him. Softened to hardness, changed him. In fact, God said, you know, you can't be Saul anymore. I'm going to have to change your name to Paul. So God in Christ took Paul, Saul's mess and made it a masterpiece in Paul. There's nothing too big for God, for him to handle. Nothing too bad for God to forgive. Nothing too difficult for God to heal. We have to give it. Go to him. And Paul ended up writing the majority of the New Testament planting tons of churches, making tons of disciples, followers of Jesus. And one of the letters he wrote was to the Philippians in chapter 3. He writes to them in verse 13. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, it's like I'm letting you in on something. I have not achieved This is years later. This is near the end of his time. All the accomplishments that God did with him. All the good things God planned for him. He was doing it. Walking through stuff. Walking through challenges and still following God. Still doing what God wanted him to do. And He says, look, I haven't achieved it. I don't want you to look at me like I'm perfect. Like I have made it. Like I have arrived. Like I am sanctified. Said I haven't, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. There is prize awaiting. Paul talks about it a couple of times there's a prize awaiting for those who endure to those who finish their race who keep the faith who fight the good fight And Paul gives us this secret here to living life to fulfilling all the good things God has planned and to being the person God has intended us to be trust and believe in Jesus for salvation first off cannot go through without going through the gateway, the door Christ he says keep looking forward and not backwards he says press ahead press ahead to do all the things God has planned for you so what happens when I have stuff in my life when I'm when I know I've got issues, when I know I've got problems, when I know I've got these burdens, what do I do? Paul says, hey, you got to keep pressing ahead like these parables teach us. Keep letting the kingdom of God work in you. Child of God, don't stop letting the kingdom of God be at work in your lo- in your heart and in your life. Don't close him off. Don't put up a wall. Don't compartmentalize. Let God into every chamber of your heart to those hurtful, wounded areas of life, to those secret sin areas of life, to those constant cycles of things that defeat you. Give Him, let Him have space there. Let Him occupy that. And when He occupies that, He clears it. He brings freedom. He brings forgiveness. He brings healing. He brings peace. He brings the fruit of the Spirit out in that part of your life. Like the kingdom, like the parables, keep giving yourself to the work of the kingdom. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of we do that, we give Him all our issues. We keep giving Him our problems. We keep giving Him our burdens. We're lighter. We're stronger. We have greater faith. We have greater resolve. We have more love in our heart. We have more of the glory, the power, and the love of God at work in our life. And we can actually continue to be Accomplish what the Lord has planned for us. He takes our mess and turns it into a masterpiece. If you're here in person, I invite you to stand with me. I'd like to pray to close out. you're watching at home or wherever you might be, I encourage you to take a moment Our heads. Let's just take a moment to purposely, intentionally humble our hearts right now. So what, what about it? What are some of the issues and the problems and the burdens in your life right now? What is it you're fighting? What is it you're struggling? What is it you're wrestling? What is it that's tormenting? What is it that's hurting? What is it that's heavy? What is it that's plaguing your mind? You can't sleep. What is it that's going on in your life right now? As I pray, you just pray to the Lord on your own. And whatever stuff, mess, whatever it is, give it to God. You, say, you might think and say, well, I've tried giving it to him before, but I, I keep having it happen. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a little yeast worked in over time. God's good grace brings about what it needs to be. Don't discount a prayer before. To how you are right now. Keep. Seeking. The kingdom. Of God. First. So Lord we come to you now. With our stuff. And our stuff. Doesn't scare you. Our stuff doesn't cause you to. Flinch. No. Jesus. Jesus took our stuff on the cross, shedding His blood, covering it all, dying in our place, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising its shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of You, O God. We give our stuff, the things that are popping up right now in our mind, and our heart. We give it to you. And I pray and ask that you would help us, enable us, empower us to keep giving you our stuff. To not hide in it like that king Saul did a long time ago. When you have called us to great things, may we not find ourselves hiding in the baggage but may we step up and say, here am I, all of me, freckles and failures, all of me, every part of me, the good, the bad, and the not so pretty, all of me, take me. And God, use me. God, shape me. God, heal me. God, free me. God, help me be everything you have envisioned me to being and fulfilling everything you have called me to. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If you agree with that prayer here in person and online, just say amen and amen.